Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Chase Elliott to the outside lane for the lead, getting all kinds of encouragement from the fans in the infield. They're side by side, Blaney on the bottom, Elliott squeezing into the low lane, wheel to wheel for the win off turn two. Here they come out of turn number two for the final time. Ryan Blaney down low, Chase Elliott up high. Here's Elliott, he's got a fender out in front. Fans are losing their minds in the infield, but Blaney comes back to the bottom. They're racing for the win in Dega. Two by two by two as they come into turns three and four. Michael McDowell gives Ryan Blaney an excellent push. Again, that puts Blaney in the lead, but here comes Elliott on the outside. It's Ford versus Chevrolet for the win at Talladega. Here comes Chase Elliott. He's going to lead him through the trioval. Can he lead him all the way to the checkered flag? Ryan Blaney is there. He'll look to the outside. He won't get there. And Chase Elliott has won at Talladega, winning the Yellowwood 500 at the Talladega Super Speedway. A bold move off four, and Chase Elliott is going to Ruoff Mortgage Victory Lane. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we get set to set sail into the state of Alabama with the round of 12 continuing at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend. Got an action-packed show for you today. We're going to examine the Talladega races that made NASCAR's recently released list of the top 75 races in the sports history. Talladega has played a vital role in the 75-year history of our sport. We're we're also going to shift gears, talk some NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series racing with Grant Enfinger. Trucks will be back on track this weekend. Grant Enfinger in the championship mix. We'll chat with the finger on this week's show. We'll also give you a refresher on everything that's happened so far in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs. Luke Lambert is also going to stop by. He chatted with Steve Post and Todd Gordon on crew call. We'll have Luke on the show as well, plus a full preview of the Yellowwood 500 and a whole lot more. First, to get us going. Kyle Ricky is here with the latest in NASCAR headlines. Kyle, what do you have for us? Mike with Josh Berry departing Junior Motorsports to go to the NASCAR Cup Series next season. The organization has announced that Sammy Smith will fill his seat. The NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff contender and two-time ARCA East Series champion will race full-time in the number eight car after competing with Joe Gibbs Racing over the last two seasons. 
getting a win earlier this year at the Phoenix Raceway. Even though the NASCAR Xfinity Series is off this week, one driver who will have a busy weekend in Talladega is Chandler Smith. The colleague racing competitor will pilot the number 13 car in the NASCAR Cup Series for the organization. Before Sunday's action, the 21-year-old will compete in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series on Saturday, driving the Rackley War Racing number 25 truck. And in other Truck Series news, Zane Smith will have a teammate in Saturday's Love's RV Stop 250. Front Row Motorsports announced that they will be fielding a second truck that will feature 12 time winner and 2018 series champion Brett Moffitt. It will be a reunion between Moffitt and FRM as he previously drove for the team in the NASCAR Cup Series and now returns to debut the number 34 F-150. Mike. Coming up, we'll tell you the five Talladega races that made NASCAR's list of the top 75 races in the history of the sport. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. With this year marking NASCAR's 75th anniversary, it's been a year of celebration and honoring the past. Part of that celebration was NASCAR recently unveiling the list of the top 75 races in the sport's history. Talladega Super Speedway, unsurprisingly, is on that list five times. Susie Armstrong takes us on a trip down memory lane to each of those five Talladega races. During NASCAR's 75-year existence, Talladega Super Speedway has provided stock car fans with thrilling, heart-pounding racing. When the sport compiled the list of the 75 greatest races, five events from the 2.66-mile trioval made the cut, each having its own importance. The first of the contingent requires us to go back in time to July 29, 1984, where two future legends battled it out on the last lap. Labonte leads Earnhardt second, Baker third, their single file. Then Harry Gant to the low side of Bobby Allison in a battle for fourth place on back. Then comes Tommy Ellis, Yarborough, Waltrip, Lake Speed, and Elliott. They're bunched up on the backstretch. Labonte snakes down to backstretch. Earnhardt comes up the in outside. It's Earnhardt and Baker going to the outside of Labonte for the lead in turn three. Labonte cut out of the draft. He's now battling with Buddy Baker side by side. Earnhardt takes this to an advantage. He pulls away by three car lengths. But Labonte down on the bottom of the racetrack fends off the challenge of Buddy Baker, but as they exit turn number four, it is Earnhardt on the point. Earnhardt has a 10-car length advantage as they come to the line. Will he be able to hang up there? He will. He comes into the dogleg. Earnhardt is going to win the Talladega 500. The Talladega 500 had an astounding 68 lead changes. The two men spearheading the late race drama, Terry Labonte and Dale Earnhardt, would provide fans with a handful of dramatic last lap finishes over their time at the sport's highest level. Their battles at Bristol are well documented, but that summer afternoon in 1984 just happened to be one of their first iconic duels. 
The second race named to this list was one that would have so much meaning for Dale Earnhardt fans everywhere. Kenny Wallace looking for that breakthrough victory. Earnhardt trying to block him high and low. Nobody jumping out of line. Here come the leaders off the corner. It's going to be a three-way battle for the win. They'll come by the Ted Musgrave car with Earnhardt leading. Here they come into the trioval. Kenny Wallace, one final shot at Dale Earnhardt. Behind him, the whole pack steaming for the finish line. Dale Earnhardt wins it. Earnhardt wins the Winston 500 as there's trouble after the finish. Ward Burton spins. Car is spinning. Steve Grissom crashes after the checkered flag. About six cars are involved down in turn number one. But it is over here at Talladega. Dale Earnhardt has won the race. Unbelievable finish. Just as he did 75 times prior, on October 15th, 2000, Earnhardt electrified the grandstands with his performance, earning his 76th and final career win. A feat that only the Intimidator and seven other drivers have accomplished in NASCAR's Premier Series. Another event that left fans in awe took place not so long ago and was the coming out party for a future superstar. Here comes Ryan Newman closing down. Junior trying to push him to the front. Carl Edwards has the lead, though. He's not been in the picture all afternoon. Suddenly he's in the lead, but under attack. Contact here in the trioval. Edwards goes up in the air. Brad Keselowski comes by. He'll score the win in the Aaron's 499. Keselowski pulled out of line with two to go, battling Carl Edwards. The duo surged to the front providing the sport with not only an exciting ending to the Aaron's 499, but an upset for the agents. In what was a scary crash, Edwards exited his car under his own power and ran the last few hundred feet to the finish line. For Keselowski, in just his fifth career Cup Series start and first for owner James Finch, the Michigan native claimed the checkers as one of the most unlikely of winners in NASCAR history. Man, I feel bad for Carl and hope everybody's okay out there, but... Uh... Man, this is NASCAR racing, and this is cool. Fast forward to October 4th, 2021. The fourth race named to this list happened to be one filled with highs and lows. The event had weather looming all day, but for a while, this Alabama native took everyone's attention off the elements as he fought for the top spot. Got a driver from Las Vegas, Nevada, working down on the inside. You've got a driver from right here in Alabama who is going to take the lead. Bubba Wallace to the lead at Talladega. Shortly after surging to the front, the elements finally emerged over the super speedway, forcing NASCAR to call the race. Even though it was shortened due to weather, the action on the track was memorable, especially those rooting for Bubba Wallace. NASCAR has just announced it is official here at Talladega, and Bubba Wallace has been deemed the winner of the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega. Bubba Wallace, the winner at Talladega, his first ever career win at the NASCAR Cup Series level. Wallace's triumph that day at the Super Speedway marked just the second time in NASCAR history that an African-American would win in NASCAR's highest level of competition. Words can't describe it. You know, I've never paid attention because I didn't want that to be the main focus. And I just want to go out and drive and be a driver and just compete with all my competitors out here. And, and uh, this is what happens when we can focus on going out and competing and just being a driver. Things settle in, in place and history's made. The final race named to this list happened nearly one year ago. With a trip to the round of eight in the NASCAR playoffs on the line, the intensity revved up late in the 2022 Yellowwood 500. White flag is in the air. Here comes Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott to the outside lane for the lead, getting all kinds of encouragement from the fans in the infield. They're side by side. Blaney on the bottom. Elliott squeezing him to the low lane. Wheel to wheel for the win off turn two. Yeah.
Here they come out of turn number two for the final time. Ryan Blaney down low. Chase Elliott up high. Here's Elliott. He's got a fender out in front. Fans are losing their minds in the infield. But Blaney comes back to the bottom. They're racing for the win in Dega. Two by two by two as they come into turns three and four. Michael McDowell gives Ryan Blaney an excellent push. Again, that puts Blaney in the lead. But here comes Elliott on the outside. It's Ford versus Chevrolet for the win at Talladega. Here comes Chase Elliott. He's going to lead him through the trioval. Can he lead him all the way to the checkered flag? Ryan Blaney is there. He'll look to the outside. He won't get there. And Chase Elliott has won at Talladega, winning the Yellowwood 500 at the Talladega Super Speedway. A bold move off four, and Chase Elliott is going to Ruoff Mortgage Victory Lane. Elliott's late race move was just enough to hold off Ryan Blaney, who narrowly finished second in one of the most intense finishes in NASCAR history. These five events that transpired at Talladega Super Speedway all play an important part in NASCAR's history. They are the few that have been honored with the distinction of being some of the sport's greatest 75 races. Thank you, Susie. Coming up, Jason Toy will sit down with NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoff contender Grant Enfinger. Craftsman in your hand, up to something, yeah. Not a chair, quick to stand, only the engine repair. Craftsman in your hand, nothing you can't do. Like a lawn, make a jar, the boy that kitchen that on. Craftsman in your hand, up to something, yeah. From outdoor care to home and auto repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. There are two races left in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs round of eight. The first of those two takes place at Talladega this weekend. That track happens to be the home track for Alabama native Grant Enfinger. Grant's trying to send out GMS Racing in style with another Truck Series championship before they close their doors at the end of the season. Grant sat down with Jason Toy to talk about that goal and returning to the track he grew up going to races at. Joining us now is the driver of the Champion Power Equipment Chevrolet for GMS Racing and Grant Enfinger. Of course, finds himself in a playoff hunt as we get ready to go to Talladega later on this week. And Grant, before we talk about Talladega, it's got to go back to midway part of the season when the announcement came or just past midway when GMS Racing announced Maury Gallagher, Jimmy Johnson, all of them announced that uh, the Truck Series program was going to be shutting the doors. After that, you guys really started to hit some really good strides, picking up some wins. Of course, three uh, picking up uh, wins in Gateway and in Kansas already this year, and, of course, Milwaukee most recently, too. What's happened with this team here the last, what, two months here of the season? Yeah, you know, there, there's been noise, you know, going around uh, all year. But, I mean, that's that's part of racing, right? But uh, but Jeff Hensley's kept everybody focused. Uh, Mike Beam has kept the whole organization uh, going the right direction. And we've had we've had fast trucks all year long. Um, I haven't been 100% happy with our execution the whole the whole season long. Um, but uh, but I've been very happy with, with, with Jeff and our guys and, and the preparation they've, they've put into to these trucks each and every week. And uh, um, and yeah, we've we've had really fast champion power equipment and Chevys, and and able to to come home with the, uh, with a few checkered flags. But uh, I'd like to see a couple more by the end of this thing. <laughs> 
You know, it's funny about it. When you go back and look at your wins, you've got 10 wins in the truck series. But, you know, some people may be dominant when it comes to short tracks or mile and a half or road courses. You have won pretty much, with the exception of a road course, you've won on every style of racetrack that we have on this on this, uh, on the circuit here for the Craftsman Truck Series. That's something pretty special, isn't it? Well, I feel like we've uh, we've been been competitive at all those places. I, I'm still working on my my, my road course craft. <laughs> um, feel like we we've, we've been you know top five truck a, a few times, but but I haven't contended for a win there yet. And, and that's uh, that's definitely something that uh, that I know, and I and I want to change that that in the future. But but overall, I feel like just uh, we've we've had solid stuff, and I I felt from the the time we got to Daytona. To where we are now, I feel like if we do our job, if, if Jeff hits a setup, if Grant, you know, drives, hit, hits my restarts, hits my marks, if we do our job on pit road, we can win anywhere. It's a matter of if, if we can hit it and we can execute. So that's a very, very good feeling to have as, as a race car driver. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't really have that last year. I feel like last year, if we dotted all our I's and crossed all our T's, we could contend for a top five. And if something happened, you know, maybe we'd have an opportunity. But we've, um, you know, we I feel like when we do our job, we we have an opportunity to win each and every week. So that is uh, that is a great feeling to have. You talked about Jeff Hensley, of course, your veteran crew chief, and he's been on the top of the war wagon a bunch for a lot of your victories. How special is that relationship that you and Jeff have, not only as as driver and, and crew chief, but also away from the track, too? Yeah, myself and Jeff have been friends for a long time. So even when he wasn't my crew chief, we still stayed in touch. We still talked and, and we're still friends, um, even even though we were competitors on, on the track. So, uh, yeah, just I uh, think I uh, think a lot of Jeff uh, feel like we we have a, a mutual respect for each other, for, for each of our jobs. But uh, we also have a, a trust in each other. So um, he knows when I'm when I'm telling him something, just spitballing, telling him to kind of, you know, be, be thinking about that. And then he knows when I'm serious about something and, and vice versa. So uh, he, I, I know, I know, you know. Normally, his mood before he even says anything, and uh, and, and yeah, just overall, I feel like we, we have a have a good relationship um, on and off the track, and and I think more than anything, we we trust each other. So um, I, I think that means a lot in uh, in racing, and and, uh, and yeah, I feel like you know sometimes if we're a if we're a tenth place truck, I feel like I feel like he does a better job than anybody on making us a top five truck. And each and every time we come down pit road, making that truck a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. So, um, yeah, overall, it's uh, it's been been cool to, to kind of go on this journey together. And and uh, and yeah, like we we uh, we've got three more races left, and and uh, definitely definitely our, our job is not done yet. Grant Enfinger is joining us here, coming off a third place finish a couple of weeks ago at Bristol. Let's talk about Alabama and talk about Talladega. Fairhope, Alabama, your hometown. I know it's special for you to go to the big track there. Before we talk about this race, talk about how special it is to to you and the Enfinger family to go back to your hometown track. Yeah, it's uh, you know, like you said, it's it's the home track. It's it's a place where where we go once a year that that you see so much of your friends and family and and supporters along the way. Um, so that's always special. And and more than that, like that's kind of where where the fire started burning for me to, to be a race car driver is is going up on the Greyhound bus with with my dad and his all all his crazy buddies back in the day and uh, watching the races there. That's that's what made me want to be a race car driver. So it's uh, it's always special to. to to, to get to race there and um you know some guys don't like the the super speedway racing 
I genuinely enjoy it. Now, is it stressful? Is it nerve-wracking? Is it frustrating? Absolutely. It's all of those. Um, but I, I truly enjoy the opportunity to, to, to race there. And so that one's, that one's always always a little bit more special. I got to backtrack on something here. You said Greyhound bus. You guys would go take that to the racetrack. I think I've heard every other way to get to a racetrack. I don't think I've ever heard the Greyhound bus side of ways to get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, did that, how did that work out? My dad and and, uh, and some of his his crazy buddies they, they would always get together. There'd be thirty or forty of us all on a on a ground Greyhound bus, and and it was a lot safer that way because they, they didn't need to be driving <laughs> anyway. So um, so no, they they'd always cook out and and have a, have a good time, and and uh, I probably learned a lot of things I, I shouldn't have learned on on those trips. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what you have for this race. And you touched on it a little bit here and how stressful this race can be. You're 14 above the cut line, which is right now to, to make this way to Phoenix. I know you want to win your way to Phoenix. So what's it take to get the job done at Talladega? You've been able to do it before. You got your first career win there at your home track. So what's it got to take to get it done this time? So, yeah, 14 points means zero when you get to uh, Talladega. Everything's going to get shaken up uh, so much after that race. Um, am I glad we're above the cut line? Yes, but am I going there with, with any different mindset than if we were 30 below or 30 above? No, not really. Um, I feel like our mindset has to be to uh, be aggressive, try to get stage points, try to lead the race, try to control the race as much as we can. And then hope for the best. I mean, there's, there's, I, I think a lot of people harp on what's not in your control, but there are a lot of variables that are in your control as a race car driver uh, when you get to Talladega. And, and a lot of it is based on how fast that, that champion power equipment Chevy is. You know, if we're, if we're a mid-pack truck, a lot of what I do and the moves I make are going to be dictated on, on other guys. If we've, if we've got the heat, you know, if we've got a, a good truck and we can control the draft, well, when I pull out to, to make a move, chances are guys are going to go with me. Um, you know, so I, I feel like that changes the game there some. So so our focus right now and at the shop and Jeff's focus is to, to try to polish on on her as, as best we can and, and hope we can qualify up front and, and, uh, and get some good stage points and um, hopefully build that cushion a little bit because – it's inevitable. There's going to be craziness happen. And um, and like I said, I feel like people harp on what you can't control. And, and there are a lot of things that you cannot control there. But but we can control a lot of things. So we, we've got to focus on that and, and make the right decisions. And, and then at the end of the day, hope, hope for the best. How important is the communication with you? You talk about Jeff Hensley, but your spotter, too, at a track like Talladega. Yeah, it's even more so in, important, you know, at Talladega than it is anywhere else. Um, Tyler did, did a great job for me at, at, at Daytona. Um, Tyler Mon, who also spots for, for Larson and, uh, and Brandon Jones, has done a great job for me all year. But that, that clear communication is very, very important. But also your your trust level, you know, we talked about you have to have trust in your crew chief on just a, a normal everyday race. But this is a whole different animal. Talladega is, um, I mean, those guys are standing a mile away at, at some points. And um, you've got to trust him and, and you've got to trust yourself too. You, you've got to go with your, your gut instincts and gut feelings. And a lot of times by the time you think about it, it's too late. That hole is closed and, and, and that move is no longer there. So um, there is a lot on, on just the trust and communication between you and your spotter. 
All right. Grant and Fingers here with us. Grant, before we let you go, get ready for Talladega this week. You get to go home. It, I do have to ask you, anything on future plans for next year? I know you're, you're focused on what you got to get done right now, but obviously you got a lot of working parts going on behind the scenes. What's next year looking like for you? Yeah, there's been some some conversations, and and I feel like everybody on this team has has had somebody reach out to them, um, you know. But at, at the end of the day, there's 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 no plans as of yet. Um, but but there's good talks going on. But um, I feel like Jeff has has done a great job, and and like I said, also Mike Beam has has done a great job of, of keeping our guys laser focused on what we can control right now for this year, and and that's to win this championship. So that's that's everybody's sole focus. Um, but yeah, they're they're talking going on and and uh hopefully hopefully we'll be able to announce something soon thank you jason coming up we'll give you a refresher on everything that has happened so far in the nascar craftsman truck series playoffs kyle larson brings his chevy four tires to no racing fuel. from fueling nascar champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane the highest octane on the market performance is what sunoco does all sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in nascar here for ryan blaney four tires with sunoco fuel from the track to your tank you can trust sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak this is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live with the trucks getting back in action at Talladega. This weekend, we thought it would be a good time to refresh your memory on everything that's happened so far in the race for the championship. Kurt Becker takes us back to the playoffs kicking off in Indianapolis two months ago. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Playoff Round of Eight continues this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. The tough trucks of NASCAR have two races remaining before crowning a champion later this fall at Phoenix. The playoffs began in mid-August at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Ty Majeski gained the early advantage, winning at IRP. Trying to put a period on what has been a dominating performance all evening long. Took the lead on lap 40, never looked back. Ty Majeski, no pressure out front or behind. Behind. He's on his way into three and four for the final time. Ty Majeski, after going winless in the regular season, makes a statement tonight. He will win the opening race of the playoffs. He takes the T-Sport 200 for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Well, we're peaking at the right time. This is exactly when we peaked last year, and uh, we're looking like we're, we're trending in the same direction. So uh, hopefully this is just the start of our playoff run. Majeski picked the perfect time to win for the first time on the season as he secured his spot in the round of eight. The second race of the round of 10 was held at the Milwaukee Mile. It marked the first time since 2009 that any of NASCAR's national series had raced at the historic Wisconsin layout. Majeski, a Wisconsin native and fresh off that win at IRP, had his eyes on a potential second victory, but it was not meant to be as Grant Enfinger dominated the Sunday afternoon event leading 95 of the 175 laps. Grant Enfinger, a clear leader off of turn two. Looking to win this one in dominant fashion, winning stage one, winning stage two, and looking to win the race here. Up to that straightaway for the final time. That lap traffic should not be a factor. It's Grant Enfinger all by himself at the front of the field here at Milwaukee. Grant Enfinger off corner number four is looking for the checkered flag. Make room in the round of eight 
Grant Enfinger is on his way as he wins at Milwaukee. An early September weekend in Kansas marked the first cutoff race of the 2023 playoffs for the tough trucks of NASCAR. Majeski and Enfinger had already advanced to the next round on wins, but the balance of the playoff field needed a victory, or at least to avoid disaster, in order to join them. On the final restart, Christian Eckes grabbed the lead and stole the win on a Friday night in Kansas. In a three-wide battle for the lead against Corey Heim and Zane Smith, Eckes led only the final two laps to secure his third victory of the season and his spot in the round of eight. Now it's side-by-side. You've got Corey Heim in the middle. Now Eckes with the rumble out of the pocket to the bottom. Around Heim, around Smith. Christian Eckes looking for the win, and Smith is loose in the corner. And here we come back to the checkered flag. They are four wide for second, but up front and with the win is Christian Eckes with a power move off of turn number two and Christian Eckes has won the Kansas Lottery 200. Tanner or make that Taylor Gray will come across the line in second. Matt DiBenedetto in third and advancing to the round of eight, Alex Hayden. Would be Ben Rhodes by five points over Matt DiBenedetto. Heim and Smith would also transfer to the next round on points. Also advancing were Carson Hosevar and Nick Sanchez, as well as Ben Rhodes, whose 25th place finish was enough to earn the final spot in the round of eight by five points over Matt DiBenedetto. All in all, we still advance the next round. We've got some, some better racetracks coming up. Um, Looking forward to making it through there. But, yeah, really fast race tonight. A lot of crazy action, and we're pretty unstable. So it was uh, it was tough. I was hanging on all night long. Yeah, they uh, they were keeping me updated, and I kind of knew we needed to get all we could get and really needed to win. But it came down close to points with them having their issues. But, gosh, it stinks to come up that close, and it just stinks we had that stuff happen there at Milwaukee that put us behind. Rhodes' Thorsport racing teammate Matt Crafton would join Benedetto in seeing his playoff hopes come to an end. The playoff round of eight began at one of NASCAR's most famed tracks, Bristol Motor Speedway. Less than a week after narrowly missing a win at Kansas, regular season champion Corey Heim took control of the championship picture by getting some revenge in Thunder Valley. And as Majeski continues to fight Jake Drew and others for position, it's allowed Corey Heim to catch the race leader. Here's Heim, going to the inside, they're side by side for the race lead in three. The lap truck of Tanner Gray was slow and Heim was able to use it as a pick to get around Christian Eckes to the lead. Corey Heim goes with six, now make it five laps to go. On lap 195 of 200, Heim forced his way beneath Eckes and went on to victory. Christian Eckes is going to have one final shot at Corey Heim if he can just get to the back bumper. Here they come. Out of turn number two, into turn three for the final time. Christian Eckes driving in deep. Eckes looks to the high side. Through three and off of four, he's not going to get there. Checkered flag in the air. The UNOH 200 at Bristol goes to Corey Heim. He punches his ticket to the Phoenix Championship race and will race for a championship in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. I can't wait. Uh, at first I was dreading Talladega, but now I'm excited. So uh, it's awesome, man. It's it's so sick. I've, I've dreamed to be in a situation like this. Dreamed to win a playoff race. Dreamed to win a Bristol. I'm so excited. Uh, this is unreal. Heim's win was his third of the season and cemented his place in the championship four at Phoenix. As things presently stand, heading into this weekend at Talladega, Heim, Eckes, Hosevar, and Enfinger would all be racing for a championship, while defending series champion Zane Smith finds himself 14 points below the cut line. 
Ben Rhodes is 19 points out, while Nick Sanchez and Ty Majeski are facing a deficit of 22 points. The drama is sure to ramp up as Talladega and Homestead will reveal the final three drivers who will have the opportunity to race for the 2023 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series crown. Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's Yellowwood 500. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We have arrived at Talladega Week in the playoffs. This week is one that some drivers dread, while others look forward to the opportunity it brings. Kyle Rickey has what Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and others are expecting in the heart of Dixie. One race is down in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs round of 12. And after an attrition-filled race in Texas, the series now heads to Talladega, Alabama for a race that should be equally as chaotic and unpredictable. There is one driver, though, that can breathe easy this weekend. That's William Byron. A stellar restart scored Willie B his sixth victory of the season and a ticket straight to the round of eight. The importance of that victory is hard to understate, but it might be even more important than it looks at first glance, especially considering Talladega is one of the few tracks of the playoff slate that Byron says he'll be nervous heading into. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Talladega is definitely one of our, I guess, one of our nervous playoff tracks just because I feel like we we could stand to improve on the super speedways um, you know we won the race at Atlanta but that is kind of a hybrid track and it's always suit us really well but I think uh, we could stand to just be faster at Talladega and, and make better decisions and hopefully um, hopefully this time around we can do that the man who has led Byron to those six victories more than any other driver has scored this season is Rudy Fugel Fugel is also breathing a sigh of relief and says now the team can focus on earning more playoff points and helping their Chevy stablemates at Talladega. Yeah, for sure. You know, with, with our points cushion, we kind of have two goals. You know, we've kind of we set ourselves in the three races. We want to we think that if we earn this many points and we know what that is every round that we're going to advance and or you get a win. You know, so uh, those two things are on our mind. We wanted to you know, score big points to get us, you know, at least halfway to the point goal or win the race. So um, winning the race is is huge. Now we get to go help. Uh, we get to go help the five. We get to help the nine. We get to help our Chevy. Chevy partners next week. We don't have to be as stressed about what happens, and we can we can just try to go get more playoff points, and that's that's a big goal. Byron is one of five Super Speedway winners in as many races in 2023. The most recent of those winners was Chris Busher. Busher scored that win in the regular season finale at Daytona, with his teammate and boss Brad Keselowski pushing him to that victory. The way that the entire Roush Fenway Keselowski racing team has been working together on Super Speedways is one of the biggest reasons Busher is confident heading to Dega this Sunday. I, I think it's more about about the teammates and uh, and having Brad behind us there and, and knowing 
what we, we've talked about doing, what we've uh, studied, and what we've looked to do to, to finish these races, you know, has been a massive part of, of Speedway racing in general for us. So, you know, the Daytona win in itself is, is huge, but um, I, I certainly feel like there's a, a whole lot more to lean on in the fact of the, the fact of how well our, our teams are working together to, to make things happen and to, to get those wins. You know, we've been really close to a lot of those Speedway races, uh, so we had the, the confidence that we had speed there, but the execution and the, the working together and, and knowing that, you know, we're going to be a factor in a lot of these things, that's that's more so what, what makes you excited going into them. Busher isn't alone in feeling confident for this weekend. The aforementioned Brad Keselowski shares his sentiment. And while some drivers dread the unpredictability that Talladega can bring, Keselowski always looks forward to what he calls a high-speed chess match. So much so that he even dreams about winning there. You know, I, I'm going there thinking that I'd like to have the seventh win, and it's been a good track for me there. I dream about winning there all the time, and dream about it actually last night. You know, it's, it's one of my favorite places to go. It's a gigantic chess match, and um, you, know, you just want to be there at the end to have a chance to play the game. You know, I, I think uh, last spring I had a chance to win it. And one or two little moves I'd like to made a little different, and uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to do that. You look at the play track for RFK this year, and you know they had the nice one-two at Daytona. But beyond that, you know we've had great runs at all. You know, I had a chance to win every one of these plate races, so it's been a lot of fun. And I haven't gotten the the, the win at Talladega in you know two years, but I'm ready to bring home another one. I've certainly been in position and, and primed to do so. Another driver who should join Keselowski and Busher as a favorite this weekend is Ryan Blaney. Blaney has two wins at Talladega and finished second in this race a year ago. He will need to be good on Sunday as he enters the race 11 points below the playoff cut line. In this fall Talladega race, Blaney says there are always different ways to approach the event. You can hang around and try to be there at the end, or you can take his preferred approach and try to score stage points and control the race. You know, with the fall race at Talladega, it kind of just depends how people approach it. You know, I feel like some people always, it's like split of how some teams and drivers approach that weekend. You know, whether you just kind of hang around and, and try to finish the race or you try to be aggressive and get stage points and, and control the race. I feel like that's kind of how we've approached it is try to lead laps, control the race, you know, try to win stages. And then, you know, it's just so hard to come from the back now, you know, and you could still, you know, ride around all day in the back and, and then try to be there at the end and still get wrecked and have nothing to show for it, you know. So we've always just been on the side of controlling everything, trying to be up front and lead laps, and um, and that's that's what it is. But, yeah, the dynamic changes a little bit just because it is a playoff race. It might seem like hyperbole given how many times this fall Talladega race is mentioned as a wild card race of the playoffs. But when you hear drivers make certain statements, it is clear that there is no hyperbole involved. Michael McDowell says October in Talladega just feels different and the intensity in the closing laps is palpable. Feels different. It seems like the the level of intensity, just like Bristol, ramps up. And then, you know, I think obviously there it's just about getting yourself in position at the end. But when you see 10 to go, you're just waiting for it. <laughs> I mean, you just know it's going to happen. And there's just so much on the line. And so, yeah, Talladega, the spring usually is like 
everybody starts out real racy and then it kind of gets single file out and you kind of get through the middle of it and then at the end it sort of ramps up and it feels like the fall race is like ramped up everybody's trying to get stage points everybody's trying to get every point that they can in position and it, it gets wild. So will a playoff driver join Byron with a guaranteed spot in the playoff round of eight? Or will a non-playoff driver step up and steal the spotlight in a race where truly anybody can win? We'll find out on Sunday after the checkered flag drops on the Yellowwood 500. Thank you, Kyle. That Talladega preview was brought to you by Whelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll chat with Legacy Motor Club crew chief Luke Lambert. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It's been an interesting year for Legacy Motor Club, to say the least. Early season struggles, news of a manufacturer change, and even a driver being released has been a part of the story. Recently, though, the team has seen an uptick in performance with good runs not only by Eric Jones, but also by Carson Hosevar, who is currently piloting the 42 car on a replacement basis. Luke Lambert is leading that 42 team and stopped by MRN Crew Call this week to discuss the crazy year for his team. Great to catch up with you. Uh, your 2023 season has been interesting for sure. Started off with Noah Gregson, and now you've had a driver du jour. Um, how, you've been, how have you been managing that? How are, how are things going with, uh, with all the challenges up there you've been dealing with? Well, it certainly adds a lot of complication to it. But, um, you know, the priority has just been get the team working on the things that we can control and stay focused on that and just try to make uh, – make gains to our program and, and improve uh, the performance of our cars every week and get better, you know, throughout the year. So it's been a challenge, but uh, I feel like uh, we're, we're making progress as a group and we, we've worked really close with the 43 all year. And, um, you know, I feel like both teams are, are working in the right direction to improve our performance and it's showing up. So um, that's what we've been trying to focus on. Obviously the driver stuff has been a, a complication for us on the 42, but uh, we're doing what we can to work around it and, and see all the positives from it. My uh, my rookie year as a cup crew chief, I kind of went through a similar situation, had a driver change midseason to what you've gone through here. Now, you, you've been a crew chief for many years, but back to the back to legacy first year back. Uh, talk about the transition from, you know, a relationship with Noah. You came out of the Xfinity Series with him and then and him going away and, and kind of feeling where it is. But it seems like the chemistry between you and Carson Hosfar is has really kind of blossomed into a, a, a great little deal. And you've had a lot of speed with him. Yeah, it's been nice. Um, after after the situation with Noah transpired, we we had a change up there. You know, every couple of weeks it seemed like we were trying to figure out who was going to be the driver. That was a little bit more complicated. Um, we had some guys fill in and and do a, a solid job. Mike Rockenfeller did a great job for us at the road courses, and we'll get to work with him again uh, at the Roval. But um, getting Carson in the car was nice because we were able to okay, now we can work week to week and kind of build on one week's success and take it to the next week and learn a little bit more about him every week. And uh, 
that's helped just have a little bit of consistency to work around. It's helped myself and the engineers understand what, uh, you know, what the little details about his driving style are. And, and we're getting better at understanding how to tune the car for him. So that's been nice. And he's done a great job jumping in, you know, with the with limited experience he's had uh, driving these cars. It's been pretty impressive to see what he's been able to do. And he's done a nice job of not getting in over his head kind of starting out uh, conservative on the weekends. Generally in practice, he starts out a little conservative, asks for what he wants in the car. And uh, by the second or third run, we are, have recently been able to get him really happy. And so uh, that's been nice. And then, you know, he kind of approaches the race the same way. He doesn't really get himself in trouble early and then just uh, gets a little bit more aggressive as the race progresses and, um, you know, gets in position at the end to uh, hopefully collect a good finish. So, He's been doing a good job of that, and that's uh, that's what we want to continue. Carson had a quote after, I think it was after Texas, that this race car just is designed for me, the, the next-gen race car. The example I always use is Jimmy Johnson, one of your owners up there. He was a one-time winner in the Xfinity Series, and he's a seven-time Cup Series champion. Is there something to that where certain car styles, builds, type things work for certain driver styles? Yeah, I 100% believe that that's the case. Um, I think that there's some things about this car that are they're really odd compared to some of the other race cars we run. One of the things that's that's a big characteristic is just all the aerodynamics. Um, you know, a big portion of the air performance is generated by the underfloor, and so there's a lot of sensitivity to pitch and the driver inputs have a big influence on how the the cars behave. Um, and I think that's really what why it's been a pretty natural progression for Carson, because I think what his approach is, is is what is well suited. I, I totally agree with what he's saying. I think he is well suited for this car just because of the fact that uh, the way he likes to get into the corner and the way he likes to use a little small amounts of brake um, really, really seem to help this car behave more consistently than some of the other that work really well in other cars, but don't work so great in this one. So I think he's been a natural fit, and I, I definitely agree. I think he's uh, he's he's shown that he's very comfortable, um, and it's surprising because, you know, when we unveiled this car uh, over a year ago, um, it was interesting how a lot of the guys that were uh, staples of the Cup Series, you know, were not a fan of the way the car drove and behaved, and, and you know, the greatest guys of all gotten up to speed and got used to it and learned how to deal with it. But uh, it was interesting because when Carson got in it, it was, it was like he was more comfortable in it than he'd been in any other car. He even said he, he felt more comfortable in it than a truck, which I don't know that I've heard anybody make that comment. So um, I think that, you know, the setups and and some of the, the things that, that we've done as, as an industry, as a race team to, to make the cars drive better has helped that. But, um, you know, a big part of it is just generally how you, how you like to drive the car, and I think that works well for Carson. You can hear more from Luke with Todd Gordon and Steve Post when MRN Crew Call drops tomorrow on MRN's YouTube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts. Coming up, we'll flash back to the 1983 Talladega 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The MRN Time Machine is all dialed up. 
and ready to send us back 40 years to the 1983 Talladega 500. Waltrip leading Earnhardt. Nobody's been able to keep Earnhardt in their mirror much today. He's been able to go to the front. He's in turn three. Right now, going down the back straightaway, they're tucked very tightly together. Bobby Allison nearly touches the back bumper of Dale Earnhardt as Earnhardt battles with Waltrip under the 33-degree banking. Bobby Allison wanted to get his lap back. He'd have an opportunity right now to really mix up things in the front. It's Darrell Waltrip continuing to lead the Talladega 500 with Dale Earnhardt in pursuit. Wind has died a bit. It's still gusting across the corners. That could be an easy factor to get out of shape in these final laps as Waltrip brings the Pepsi Challenger across the line. Bobby Allison tucks in behind Dale Earnhardt, the second-place car. They're back in one. Three-lapped automobiles following the two leaders in a tight five-car draft. Good sense would say that those three drivers will stay behind the leaders, although obviously all of them would like to unlap themselves. Allison particularly because he's got the point challenger, Darrell Waltrip, just two lengths in front of him. Those three cars behind the leaders have the best seat in the house right now for what is turning out to be a two-car shootout in the final laps of the Talladega 500. Earnhardt still tucked behind the bumper of the Pepsi Chevrolet. We're getting down to the gunfight at the Talladega Corral, and at this point, the contestants are Darrell Waltrip and Dale Earnhardt. Earnhardt trying to flex some muscles on the Junior Johnson Pepsi. Challenger tries to pull Earnhardt off the, tour, the turn and can't do it. And right now, everybody has to hearken back to all the talks we've had about strategy over the years here at Talladega. Do you want to lead on the last lap? Do you want to be in the number two spot? Again, remember, for those of you who've never been here, the start-finish line is nearly in turn number one here at the Speedway. So after you come off the fourth corner, a lot of real estate with which to play. They're off to turn number two. Still no change in position. If Earnhardt's going to make a move, he's apparently saving it for late. He's following Walter by a car length. They seem very content to stay that way. They're coming up on a couple of slower cars. Ken Reagan, the tournament Chevrolet. Also, the slower car of Ronnie Thomas. They'll be moving up on them now as they move to the high side in turn three. Earnhardt already knows what his car can do. Is he holding back? Has he seen all that Darrell Waltrip's got under the hood of the Pepsi Challenger? We don't know. We've still got a couple laps to find out. Waltrip leads Earnhardt. You can catch that race in its entirety at MRN.com under the MRN Classic Races tab or on any of your preferred podcast platforms. Folks, that's all the time we have for you for this week. I'd like to thank Grant Enfinger for stopping by. I'd like to thank Luke Lambert for stopping by as well. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for being with us. We're off to Talladega. Hope you are as well. If not, count on us at MRN to bring you all the action-packed adventures that Talladega brings. Until we speak next week, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downing, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.